You are now listening to The Real Enneagram, a podcast by the Institute for Conscious Being. To learn more about the Institute and its offerings, visit theicb.info. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot I-N-F-O. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Joe Howell and Nanette Moodyum. Well, welcome back to The Real Enneagram, a podcast brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. I'm Nanette Moodyum. I'm here with Dr. Joseph Howe. Nice to see you, Dr. Joe. Hi, Nanette. Glad to be here with you today. I am too. I'm excited about our subject today. We're continuing to look at our book, Becoming Conscious, The Enneagram's Forgotten Passageway. And we are focusing on chapter eight of our book today, which discusses the subtypes of the Enneagram, which isn't interesting topic. It's a little bit nuanced. Um, this is not something that always gets talked about in Enneagram circles, especially not those superficial, hi, I'm a type, you know, four, and I have a type five wing. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't usually get into the, the deeper truths. And I, At I, least they said hi. Hi. <laughs> 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 So I wonder what that says about my subtype. (laughs) Um, As an overview, our three subtypes are, we're not meaning to mock any of those who might have a high-pitched voice out there. Um, Anyways, our subtypes today are self-preservation, social affiliation, and sexual sentiny. That's the one that no one wants to claim. No one ever wants to be sexual sentiny. But these, these are subtypes that we see in Every one of the, uh, of the ego types and they really do impact our presentation in the world. When I was first presented the subtype information, I was a little overwhelmed. I, honestly, I was just trying to figure out who, what my number was and how, how that all worked. So when we added the layer of subtype to it, the way that I could comprehend it in a simplistic terms is to say that Maybe my ego is really a, a subject of nature. You know, it's based on my soul child and we, we, based on that, I put on the automatic ego type for me, type nine. And so, but my subtype might be more of an influence of how I grew up, of the nurture aspect of our life. Would you agree with that, Joe? Or yes, and you don't I, have to because you're, you're the expert. So you tell me. Well, I, I think yes, because it has to do with, the actual wounding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we sustain. Okay. I believe in the last podcast we dealt with the soul child's wounding. Yes. Which is a huge game changer mm-hmm. for the little soul child because then he or she has to put on an ego that copes with how to stop that wounding from ever happening again and to heal the wounding if it ever does happen. And everyone is wounded and not because we had bad parents or because we mean to. It's just a force of nature, right? It's just Mm -hmm. how it happens for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody gets wounded. Yes, because the pure soul is never going to survive in this world. It's never going to be completely safe Mm -hmm. here. And we were all born as pure souls. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know anyone who was born an axe murderer. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know anyone who was born uh, to to lie, steal, mm-hmm. cheat. I don't know anybody who was born with feelings that got easily hurt or resentments that mm-hmm. they had. You go to a little child and you talk to them, a one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old. They're more about being than mm-hmm. anything else. Mm-hmm. They are pure being. They have this life force that's inside them. And that life force, the soul, is running the show. And we give little children a wide berth mm-hmm. you know, when sure. they do something that's atrocious or horrible or whatever. We say stuff like, oh, well, out of the mouths of babes come mm-hmm. words of wisdom, or they laugh at children who may dress up in certain caricatures, or we laugh at children maybe who want to parade around with, you know, scant clothing or no clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh Children who do just exactly what they want to do because they don't know about fear, shame, mm-hmm. or anger. Mm-hmm. That's slowly coming about. Yes. We're but training the, them in that. But the mm-hmm. purity of the soul. And just think about it. That's a wonderful thing. And something just captivated my mind, and that is in adulthood, those on our spiritual quest are trying to what? Purify our soul. Mm-hmm. To return to the state of essence in okay. which we were born. Mm-hmm. So soul purity is not just something that we were born with and it got demolished. Soul purity is something that stays in our soul child that we all carry around with us all day long, whether we acknowledge it or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, The little person we were born as, it's still in there, Mm -hmm. he or she, whether we remember him or her or not. The soul child had to, you know, find a way to move in this world because somebody told the soul child that they were not okay the way they were. So how how does that wounding of essence, that what is told to that little soul child, how does it c- begin to contribute to a subtype? Okay. Well, the subtypes are really three divisions of an ego type. Okay. Three kinds of, like if you're a seven, there are three kinds of sevens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. There is a self-preservative seven. There is a social seven. And there is a sexual or sexual syntony seven. Okay. It, this is true of all of the types. There is a sexual, social, and self-preservative type six, eight, nine. So 27, if we're doing the math. Yeah, Uh 27 different kinds Uh Uh of egotypes, really. Uh This is just another deeper layer to know more about how you move in the world. When the wounding happens, it usually happens, well, it does happen in one of those areas, the sexual area, 
the self-preservative area or the social area. Now, let me explain to you what all those areas are. Okay. The self-preservative layer or type of ego is the ego that is mainly interested in protecting against harm, Mm -hmm. any kind of harm. Uh, harm to one's reputation, harm to one's body, harm to one's family, harm to one's livelihood, mm-hmm. anything that could threaten the life, mm-hmm. the entire life, the spectrum of life, is someone who is fixated, if you will, on hurts happening to them. And therefore, they want to preserve themselves against hurts, and they call themselves, they are called then self-preservatives because of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, social subtypes are very, very interested in how they fit in to the world. And when I say that, I don't mean how they fit into society in general, but how they also fit into their family, their friend group, their organizations, their mosque, or their temple, or their church, or their religious organization. They are very much more focused on the role they play, the social relationships they have, and who they are as defined by that because knowing who they are is important because that is a survival technique. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now the sexual syntony type has been renamed recently. Okay. Well, I say recently (laughs) in the last 15 years and it is called one-to-one type. Mm-hmm. Maybe because people were uncomfortable with the title, the, the title. <laughs> as I referenced. But sexual is not really, in my opinion, a misnomer mm-hmm. uh, because it has to do with the primal energies okay. that we exude and that preoccupy us. The life force, the attraction that we have to other people or not for other people. Mm -hmm. The reference here is how we are pulled in a, not just a superficial relationship, but a deeper relationship with certain people. Mm -hmm. For this reason, it involves very few people, whereas the social subtype involves usually a lot of people. Yeah. Uh The self-preservative can involve various amounts of people. They're just... They're just barricading the doors, Mm -hmm, okay? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have these three types that also correspond to the three centers of intelligence. Okay. Because the sexual type has to do with the life force and instincts. It is more of the body center. Okay. Because the social has to do with relationships. Mm -hmm. It's more of the heart center. Okay. And because self-preservatives are motivated by fear, it has to do with the mind center, which is also the fear center. Uh-huh. So you see how that comes naturally from mm-hmm. from the three centers uh, of the Enneagram. 
Yeah, what I see is that there's just layers and layers of discovery that can really contribute to our awareness Mm -hmm. of who we really are. So is there a positive and a negative kind of of like I know in your descriptions, there's a we we have two different descriptions mm-hmm. of each type of each subtype. Mm-hmm. You you can find them in the book in chapter mm-hmm. eight. But I know sometimes mm-hmm. they seem to only be a negative description mm-hmm. of the subtype. Right. So I'm glad you brought that up. To circle back around to your original question that I. I think I failed to answer, which was uh, about the wounding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is that I've told you these three types. We all have all of those three types within us. Okay. But the one that was wounded when we were small is our subtype. Mm -hmm. I have self-preservative in me. Mm -hmm. I have sexual syntony in me. And I have social subtype in me okay we have the capacity for all of the social affiliation that's what yeah okay all right is what it's called but when i was a soul child my wounding i'll just tell you personally my wounding happened in a self-preservative aspect of me so it was the fear center was wounded Mm -hmm. Okay. okay that is how i look at life in my ego, the danger that it could occur, okay. the person who could hurt me, the disaster around the corner, mm-hmm. the thief in the night, the insurance policy that runs out, the person who may find out something about me and not like me anymore, mm-hmm. the group I may have become a part of but then rejects me. Mm-hmm. That is the self-preservative subtype to a T. That is the self-preservative subtype to a T. It is my major way of looking at the world and what I am in my ego preoccupied with. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that doesn't mean I don't have the sexual syntonic and the social affiliation. I do have those. But it's called stacking. If you can imagine a silo, the top maybe half of the silo Mm -hmm. is filled with self-preservative. And the other half is split in two with sexual syntonic. 25% each. each. Those, I'm just picking out percentages. Mm -hmm. But the one with the largest percentage is your subtype. The other two are parts of you, but they're not your subtype. Your dominant subtype is your subtype, and the others are called non-dominant subtypes. Getting back to, um, maybe I said positive and negative, maybe I should say healthy and unhealthy. Is there a healthy way for that subtype to present itself? Mm -hmm. Is there a healthy self-preservation? Absolutely. Okay. Um, What happens is in the ego, especially in the height of our ego, egoic life, the thing that possesses our subtype and that colors our world is our passion. And that's what's run through our subtype. Okay. Okay. So 
you can take all of the passions, all of them can be run through all three of those subtypes. But for an individual, the passion is mainly run through the dominant subtype, Mm -hmm. a person's subtype. Okay. For example, um, the passion of nine, which is sloth. Sloth. Mm -hmm. If you are a self-preservative nine, sloth could be represented as a person who goes to sleep on their lives and preserves themselves through feeding and having a strong appetite for anything that soothes you or mm-hmm. soothes your pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then you can take sloth and see how it goes through social. I will let my friends be my animation. Okay. I don't have to do anything. I can stay asleep, but I'll let them carry me through the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, sexually, I will go to sleep on life, but my one, the person who I choose will be in charge of waking me up. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So, um, th- these, these passions that run through our dominant subtype okay can run away with our lives but the good news mm-hmm. is yes let's hear the good news once we go against our arrow to our soul type the passion is really replaced by our virtue for example in 9 you have the passion of sloth but when it's replaced with the virtue of diligence then diligence comes on in as an animating factor to wake up the nine so that they don't have to be asleep as their mechanism for dealing with their safety issues, but they can look at reality as it really is and with their diligence have ways to make them safe without falling asleep and to make themselves safe without overreacting to their issues of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? It does. So tell, tell me how diligence then looks in the other subtypes. Well, if you, if you, are you talking about yeah, the other uh, yeah, subtypes uh, uh, of, of uh, nine? Yes. Okay. So in social, I'm trying to think like right. how, how do those virtues begin to manifest in the subtypes right. and how that might look subtly different? Right. Okay. Well, you know, the passion is going to take us down in our subtypes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the virtue is actually a replacement of our passion being captain of the ship because now we are going against our arrow to our soul type. So, the soul type is animated by its virtue mm-hmm. and its holy idea. Okay. And the holy idea of nine is love, which also helps the subtypes from being unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So when you flow diligence as nine's virtue into social affiliation, 
animation begins again. And they begin to not be carried by the group as being a person and having an identity, but they begin to have their own identity and they're not, they have a voice and because of their diligence, they have life about them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, in one-on-one relationships, again, or sexual syntony, instead of capitulating to a partner or letting someone take care of their sleepy, slothful ways, there again, diligence puts them in the relationship in their own right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're an equal. They are a partner. Okay. And they are awake to what they need to do to become uh, syntonic with their with their partner. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that's perfect. So I've given names to the... Unhealthy? Well, I, uh-huh. they're unhealthy have already been given names. Okay, okay. But I went to the other end of the spectrum after the virtue runs through these three subtypes, and I gave the healthy uh, names that are on the other end of the continuum for each of these, and they're in my book, Becoming Conscious. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is the beauty of the Enneagram to me, that nothing about who we are is stagnant that it's it's fluctuating and it always has the possibility to be healthier to be more whole to become more conscious right and it's it's the absolute beauty of it but is it possible for your subtype to fluctuate if you have different demands on your life now, it doesn't change. Okay. Now, your dominant will always be your yeah, dominant. Always, okay. Okay. Always. Because the wound set it in. Okay. That impression is always there. But when you move to healthy, it, it won't, it, your dominant will still be your dominant. Yes. But okay. It will be a healthy dominant. Okay. Sometime. Okay. Beautiful. Well, it's, it's, it's so nice, um, to, to realize that there's a capacity for healthy mm-hmm. behaviors in us. Yes. That when we do, uh, this, this work of becoming conscious, mm-hmm. that it really is available to us. And that's so encouraging to me. Right. So, but I feel like the subtypes will respond to different circumstances, right? Like yeah. if suddenly, you know, you're more of a self-preservation, but you no longer participate, somehow you've gotten rejected from a friend group that you've been in, you, you will feel that less dominant subtype of the social aspect. Yes. yes. Absolutely. And so you might you might relate to that that weakness or that unhealthy behavior. Correct? Yes. Okay. Well, you take Maslow's hierarchy of needs and I mentioned this in the chapter on subtypes in my book and the first layer that you have to achieve basically is safety. Mm-hmm. Now you may think, "Oh, well, That's self-preservation. But for social subtypes, social affiliation subtypes, and for sexual syntony or one-on-one subtypes, that's their survival. Ah, that is safety for them. That is 
the safety layer of their pyramid. Okay. They can't climb that pyramid. Okay. Unless they know that it is secure. Mm-hmm. Because it does seem like we can grab hold of what the idea of our subtype might be if we think about ourselves in crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, when Maslow's hierarchy of needs is being threatened, when we've just had, you know, if a hurricane is coming through your town or, you know, when, when we're in crisis, it really seems like that, that subtype becomes more evident. So, Dr. Joe, tell, talk to us about what countertypes are. Countertype is if you have a subtype, if your subtype looks very unlike its name. <laughs> For example, <laughs> okay. let's use the six subtype of sexual syntony. It's the sixes countertype mm-hmm. because it is when the life force feels so threatened that the person, instead of seeking a person to take care of them in their relationship, they do things that are to demonstrate their strength. Uh-huh. Not very six-ish looking. No. Very. For example, okay. Evil Knievel, mm-hmm. you know, demonstrated his strength by doing things that possibly were terrifying to him. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. He became addicted, possibly, mm-hmm. to doing that so that he would not be overwhelmed with his own fear. Mm-hmm. And each ego type has an instinctual subtype that if it is the countertype and only one of the three are the countertype, then they don't look like a self-preservative or a social affiliative or a sexual sentiny one. Okay. So it can be a little bit confusing, yes. obviously. So each number on the Enneagram has a subtype, which looks like we would call that a countertype. Right. And it makes them kind of not look like the poster child from their ego type. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So that, that is definitely one of those nuanced aspects of learning the Enneagram in, in a deeper way, right. in a deeper truth, the real Enneagram, if you will, right. that helps us to understand why not every, not, not every six, not every one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine looks exactly like any other of the same ego type. And that's right? why you can't. Really label other people because uh-huh. you don't know what their own private motivation may be uh-huh. in their ego or their subtype. Okay. But I understand for listeners that a lot has been said about the instinctual subtype today with us, Nanette, but they will do well to read the chapter in Becoming mm-hmm. Conscious. Okay. Uh, it's chapter eight. On yes. The instinctual subtypes. And that is on page 122. Uh-huh. And that will really help them. I think it would clarify any of that. And, um, certainly we, we would be happy to have questions to our, to our Enneagram account if someone would like to ask us questions more about that. And that address is, email address is the real Enneagram 
at gmail.com. Gmail. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. We would welcome their questions. That'd be terrific. So, right. well, thank you so much for, for digging into this topic with us today. And I look forward to speaking with you next week. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Nanette. Thank you for listening to The Real Enneagram, a podcast by the Institute for Conscious Being. To learn more about the Institute and its offerings, visit theicb.info. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot I-N-F-O. The music for today's podcast was composed and performed by ICB faculty member Drexel Rayford.